So, uh, once again, just a joy to be here, and um, thank you for letting me come and uh, just share a message with you. I've already enjoyed the worship service. I hope that God has spoken to you through the worship and touched your heart in some way. And now um, I have the privilege of just speaking to you for um, 30, you know, 30 minutes max. <laughs> and I trust that the Lord will uh, just uh, speak to your heart as well, uh, as he has to me in preparing this message. I come, I live... I live in, uh, I'm born and buried in Wellington. I, I, I understand something about, just a little bit, about what Canterbury people have experienced with earthquakes. I've lived through some earthquakes. I lived my first 40 years in Wellington. We live on a fault line there. And uh, so I've, I've had a few shakes in my life. Uh, that's really unnerving, but nothing as serious as what you folks have had here in Canterbury. And so as a North Islander, as the one who lives just uh, on that little island up north here a little bit, uh, I, I just want to express on behalf of many leaders, many Christian leaders that I have the privilege of interacting with, that our hearts continually go out to you, still do today. Because, and it's just even the little drive through town I had this morning um, with the, the, my cousin who I'm staying with and then with Chris and just seeing again just some of the, after, you know, the effects of the earthquake, it's just unbelievable how this just, just seems to go on and on and on. And we, we know there's a lot of pain and maybe in your hearts there is. In fact, we've had some people join our church in Raglan uh, who've kind of moved because it was too much. And so, uh, again, I just want you to know my heart goes out to you as a, as a people um, who have experienced incredible trauma. And very hard for any of us to understand who haven't been through it. Um, I want to talk to you today, if I may, about um, this topic that uh, I've entitled the, um, the Resilient Life. I could talk to you about um, perseverance, the, pers the persevering life. I could talk to you about the persistence and the persistent life. I could talk to you about patience and the patient life. But I've chosen a word that is in the same basket of those three P words, per perseverance, persistence, and patience. I've chosen to talk to you for a few moments about the resilient life because there's something about the word resilience that I particularly like, and we will unpack that in a moment. But I think as we look at Scripture, and I hope I can just drop in on a few passages today that will help you see that, that um, God is looking for people with a certain resolve, a human resolve, that God is quick to help us with, to run the race to the end with perseverance, with persistence, with patience, yes, with endurance, and yes, with resilience. But that it does need a human resolve to win the race, to get to the end, the end that God has ordained for us, which, as I would like to explain in a moment, is going to be similar for all of us and then different for all of us. So the, the thing that has occasioned this message are two things. Firstly, I'm deeply troubled. The, the new census figures are out for New Zealand, and they're not good reading, folks, in terms of religious affiliation. And it's just simply not good reading. But I want to say to you today that we stand at the beginning of a new day, Sunday, what is it, the 9th of March, and over the next 24 hours, uh, 
2.3 billion people are going to Christian churches around the world. Do not lose heart. There is an unbelievable resilience and perseverance in the Christian message, the gospel message. And today, as we speak over the next 24 hours, because we are the first to go to church, by the way, if that's the right term. We are the church, but we go to church. It's all a bit confusing, but you know what I mean. And, and another 2.3, one-third, 33% of the world's population, they say today, de- demographers say there are 7 billion people on the earth, of which 33% are Christians. Of that, 17% are Catholics. And do not, I know I'm in a Pentecostal environment, do not raise your eyebrows, because if you would care to read about the new Pope, who was the Time Person of the Year last year, and the Time magazine did a superb article on him, which I would recommend every Christian to read. This new Pope, I believe, without a doubt, and many evangelical believers around the world, leaders around the world believe, he is a Christian. He's born again like you and I. 33%, 2.3 billion people are going to church today. Hallelujah. It may not be good in New Zealand, but it is going all right in the rest of the world. And we have some challenges because 23% of the world's population are Muslim, as I speak. So they're catching us for sure, but there is, we're still well ahead. The gospel is moving, and it is reaching more and more people around the globe, though we are having some challenges here in New Zealand. So that's the first reason why I feel to speak about resilience, because I think we need to be reminded that God is behind those who choose to be resilient, to be persevering, to be patient when it doesn't seem so easy. And perhaps in this land right now, it is not so easy. Who knows what the future holds? But right now, let us be honest. A a good doctor says the truth. It ain't easy. Would you agree? Are we on this page? Christianity is having difficulty in our fair land. The second reason that has occasioned this message was that this came to me, this message came to me the week Nelson Mandela died. I don't know what he means to you, but to me, I'm unashamedly wanted to say to you, he's one of my heroes. I don't have many heroes, just basically two, Mandela and Billy Graham. And Mandela died. I read his book long ago, The Long Walk to Freedom. How many of you have read that? He's an amazing, amazing guy, sincerely. And... um, Here he is, and he said some amazing things. Here are a few things, just two quotes that talk about a man with resolve, a man with unbelievable resilience. And by the way, the remarkable thing about Mandela is he never confessed to be a Christian. He never confessed to be a Christian. I was in a group a few days after he died with pastors in Hamilton. And one of the guys, it's sort of like a group that meets from time to time, and we, we... we discussed deep things. And we were just chatting, having a cup of coffee, and we were talking about Mandela. And one of the guys said a fascinating thing, and I, I, it's been, I've been very thoughtful about this. He said, I do not know how a man cannot be a Christian and forgive like he did. It's a very good question. And, it begs, and, and the second question begs to be asked is perhaps he was but he chose not to be public about it. Perhaps. But there's a wonderful man, whatever, Christian or not Christian, everyone would agree. I mean, world leaders, you should have seen the 
the blogosphere. It was just alive after the, day, the moments after he died. For my own part, he said once, I have made my choice. I will not leave South Africa, nor will I surrender. Only through hardship, sacrifice, and militant action can freedom be won. The struggle is my life. I will continue fighting for freedom until the end of my days. Is that a man with resolve and resilience or what? And then a little later on he said, uh, just at a trial, which ultimately led him to Robben Island, during my lifetime I've dedicated myself to the struggle of the African people. I have fought against white domination. I have fought against black domination. I have cherished the ideal of a democratic and free society in which all persons live together in harmony and with equal opportunities. It is an ideal which I hope to live for and to achieve. But if needs be, it is an ideal for which I'm prepared to die. I mean, it almost sounds like the words of Jesus, doesn't it? Sincerely. I mean, it's just really amazing. Amazing man. And then I think about, and so I, I, was, I was thinking about Mandela. I was reading some of the blogs and some of the quotes and thinking back about the book and I'm going to reread the book. And the movie's coming out very soon. It's out, actually. It's, uh, it's, everyone, everyone should go and see it. Uh, and I've got no franchise on the movie. But here is a man in the scriptures, just one man, but there are many. We had resolve, incredible resilience. And we all today are recipients of his resolve and his resilience and his endurance. And I've just paraphrased this a little bit. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. He mucked up lost his nerve and blew it badly, in fact so badly that the world is still experiencing the painful consequences of one of his mistakes. But odds against odds, he persevered. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. And we are his children today. A man who chose to obey God and odds against odds went to a land, folks, he did not know existed. There wasn't geography like we know it today. There weren't maps like we know it today. He didn't even know that this land existed, but he went odds against odds. And so, let me share with you a few thoughts about the subject of resilience and introducing these two great people. Some affirmations that we all, I'm sure, can agree with. Life is a marathon, not a... Say it. Life is a marathon, not a... To complete a marathon, you need perseverance and endurance and resilience. This marathon has all sorts of obstacles, hurdles, and assorted difficulties intended to delay you, distract you, and yes, even to destroy you. In this race, you have other options. You can dodge the obstacles, 
go another way or quit the race. You are free to choose. But this we know, God wants you to finish and to finish strong. Actually, the race needs a kick at the end, a short burst at the finish to get you over the finish line. So, help me for a few moments. What then is resilience? Give me some other words that come to mind. Shout them out. What other words come to mind when you hear the word resilience? Let's be clear on our definition. Strong, determined, flexible. Very good. What else? Never give up. Unswerving. Heart of surrender. Anybody else? Doing well. Sustainable. Resourceful. Go to any dictionary, check it on the check it on Google, Wikipedia or something. They're all there. But here's here's what I like particularly in terms of our next slide. The ability to adapt successfully in the face of obstacles, threats, and disasters. Just have a read of that. The ability, the ability to adapt. That's what I like about resilience. This is an element of resilience that perseverance doesn't necessarily have. The ability to adapt successfully in the face of obstacles, threats, and disasters. The ability to spring back into shape better, not bitter. Life throws stuff at us. We'll, we'll, we'll anchor that in Scripture in a moment. And we can quickly get out of joint. And perseverance has the idea that you just keep going out of joint. But resilience is about adapting. Here is the obstacle. Here is the difficulty. And you can spring back. Having learnt the lessons with the obstacle, the difficulty, the setback, but you, and it's, it's, it's puts you out of joint for a bit. But you can spring back. You've got somehow some ability within you to adapt, to spring back. And then come out of it sweeter, better, more beautiful as a person, stronger rather than bitter. That's resilience. That's why I like the word resilience. Because I just think that that's exactly what Jesus so perfectly exemplified. All of the stuff that came against him. And then the Apostle Paul and Abraham, I mean, you could just go on and on, just to read Hebrews 11, these guys that were just throwing all sorts of stuff for the cause of the gospel, and they were out of joint, and they were in distress, and they were in difficulty, but they sprung back, and they kept going, stronger, better, sweeter. I love that. Paul says it so well in Hebrews. I'm not going to even give you the text. I'd like you just to listen, would you? Therefore, the writer to Hebrews, I believe it's Paul, says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance. Let us run with, another word, 
the text, the NLT says endurance, correct. Resilience. It's entirely appropriate to put that word there. And let us run with resilience, the race that God has set before us. And then he says how we do this. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion, who I just, I mean, I really love the NLT's translation of this text. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. These hurdles come and these difficulties arise. God has in his word given us some teaching, some truth, some revelation, some insight to be able to handle those. Because again, in 1 Corinthians 10, nothing is too hard that God cannot help us overcome. Do I hear an amen? He wants us to get over that. But at the same time, it is a setback. It is a hurdle. It is a difficult. No one has ever promised that the Christian life is going to be easy. But it is going to be good. See, easy and good are not the same ideas. And we have been lulled into a notion in our Western world that Christianity is all going to be easy. And when it isn't easy, and when it gets a little rough, and the winds of the opposition oppositional winds blow a bit so many people give up and I'm sad by that and I just want to share with you today don't give up have a picture of Jesus at the end because he knew he was going to face the cross and he endured to the end none of us are going to face that kind of death been done once and for all and now he is in that stand and he's cheering you on I am glad I am a Christian and that I can live the good life understood biblically and he is fashioning and forming something in me that no one else could possibly do and he wants to make in all of us a better person Actually, you know, his ultimate goal is as we reach, as we come against these hurdles and difficulties and tough times, he wants to shape the fullness of Christ in all of us. Hallelujah. And so I've come to the end of my time. So I'm going to shoot down a few passages, a few slides, if I may, good man. Uh, go to the last one. And we come to the end of Paul's race. And here's the text. Resilient people finish the Christian race with a kick at the end. As for me, Paul says, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I've remained faithful. That's it. Resilient people stay faithful. 
I just hope that in the 2017 census that you're and I are not a statistic, another statistic of another one who's left. And the reality is that, you know, leavers are not just people who no longer come to church. There are a lot of leavers, and, the, and I may be speaking to one or two of you here today who have effectively said, I'll kind of do the church thing, but this thing's not really for me. But, you know, for the kids' sake, to keep my wife happy or my husband happy, I'll, I'll kind of come along. But basically, you've signed off, you've checked out. And this is a reality in our Western church. Loads of people have checked out. And I just, I just want to share with you, don't check out. If you've checked out, it's not the deadly sin. It's just check back in. Get back on the race. And finish. You'll be amazed at what God will do. So be faithful. Remain faithful. And now the prize awaits me. The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Hallelujah. I'm of the persuasion that the issue actually is not how old you are. It's not your age. It's not about the quantum of years you've lived. But it's about the quality of the race you've run. That's my persuasion. To young people here today, as I close. Purpose, if you're under 20 roughly. Purpose in your hearts that this is the race. The Hebrews 12, by the way, that's the text I read to you earlier. The Hebrews 12 race is the race that you will dedicate your life to. Check in. Line up and be sure you started and start and finish the way you've started. To young parents, of which there must be a fair bunch of you here today, because look at all those children that went out. Isn't that great? Well, when, one, when your new pastor produces five and sheep are urged to follow the shepherd... When I come here again in a few years' time, goodness gracious, the kids will be in this room and you'll be out in another room, I think. <laughs> to young parents, instill these values of perseverance and toughness and resilience into the next generation. Model what you want your kids to become. Remember, values are caught before they're taught. To midlife people, wannabes like me, to midlife people in your 30, late 30s to 50 age range roughly, be ever so careful that you don't drop the ball. You're at risk. The data show, tells me that. We're all at, all at risk in that age bracket. So in the, or in the Hebrews 12 analogy, get, be careful you don't get entangled in the seductions that are in the world. Be careful. Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of 
life. And to older people, grandparents, put your hand up. Yay, 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 and great-grandparents. Awesome. Take every opportunity to encourage, mentor, and bless the two or three generations that come after you. Your efforts will not be in vain. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much that you have a great plan for our lives. And everyone in this room, that plan is different. It's got different features about it, different challenges and issues. But, Lord, we have one thing in common, is that we're all in a great race, the great race of faith that Paul described so graphically. And Father, I just want to pray today for my brothers and sisters here that have been gracious to come to church today, that you would instill into them a determination and a fresh desire to stir up an attitude and a spirit of endurance and resilience, perseverance and patience, persistence. Lord, that all of us in this room today may look back over, uh, when we're down the track a few years, we can say, what you have done, Lord, has been marvelous. It's been worth it. It's been tough at times, but it's been, you've done something that only that difficulty, that setback, that particular hurdle, that obstacle could have taught us, could have done something in us. And it's for good. And so, Lord, I pray that you will help us to be focused on Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, the great crowd and cloud of witnesses that are cheering us on and want us to succeed and finish the race with a kick at the end. Lord, this is our prayer, and may it become our desire in Jesus' name. Amen.